He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. There we go. Okay, now it's recording. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm the talking hairdo, Jack Heald, and we are joined today by the first member, or at least a prior member of the law enforcement profession I think we've ever had on the show, Eric Reynolds. Phil, thanks for bringing this guy on. Eric, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so why is he here, Phil? Well, don't worry, Jack. You're not in trouble. I didn't have to bring the cops in for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I um, always but, worry about that. I know. Um, Eric's just one of the amazing people that I've been so fortunate to encounter uh, you know, on this journey and in the uh, metabolic health community. Uh, Eric and I first met, uh, I believe, about a year ago at one of the uh, conferences, uh, Low Carb USA. And I really was just awed by his uh, story, his background. You know, he has really spent his life in the service of others uh, as a police officer. And since leaving the force, um, as we'll get into, you know, some of the stuff that he has been now doing uh, for health and nutrition. So uh, don't want to give too much away. And uh, why don't I turn it over to Eric so he can introduce himself to our audience. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I don't know where to start. You know, I I lost 75 pounds doing the keto carnivore. You know, I started that in 2018, and it kind of changed my whole direction in life, honestly, from retiring early to selling our house and buying an RV and traveling the country. Like, everything just kind of changed once I realized I was sick, and I was being diagnosed with heart disease, and they wanted to put stents in me, and I was really kind of just confused and scared. Now, how, how old were you in? In, I don't I, mean I, that. Oh, in 2018, I would have been approaching, uh, man, I was 49. You know, and they've been, you know, hammering the cholesterol thing for years on me and stuff. And my wife's kind of a naturopathic person. And she was like, no, you're not taking a statin and all this stuff. So she had a woman to have in of, your corner. Oh, man, she's been a lifesaver, let me tell you. Okay, so, so 2018, everything, you you made a big change in direction. What yeah, direction you were going? Well, I saw myself in a documentary. It's called Cops and Cabins. And it was about eight cops going into the mountains in Georgia, not really knowing each other. And we all decompressed and we cried. We hugged. We just, it was a safe place for us to really unload a lot of stuff that was on our minds. Well, I saw the documentary. It's only like a 10 minute short film, but man, I was heavy and I, I looked sick. I really did. You know, and I happened to just go play basketball. Like I always, I stayed very active all the time you know i was just carrying the extra weight which led to like knee injuries and you know ankle injuries all the stuff that happens when you're heavy and one of my buddies lost 50 pounds and he was like yeah it's this thing called keto i was like what's a martial arts thing you know i didn't know you know i had no never heard of it no one ever explained it to me i didn't see it on any news stories or you know i wasn't listening to the type of talk shows that talked about it then and i was like 50 pounds right and he's grabbing the rim and stuff and i'm like man so i looked into it I started reading up on it, you know, and I dove in. I started meal prepping a lot more than I used to, really counting calories. You know, I did the whole, not counting calories, count my uh, micros, macros and everything with my app, you know, like, wow, I never knew that was in this, never knew that was in this. And that's when the train just started rolling. And I lost 20 pounds, like in, I think it was like six weeks. And then it just, after six months, I was down 45 pounds and feeling fantastic. And of course, there's some other things happened in my career where I was in a shooting getting shot in the line of duty by a bank robber that we shot and killed. So I was developing over these years, PTSD. And when I changed my diet and started feeding my brain real food, it helped me dance with it a little bit and manage it a lot better than anything else I ever had before. Okay. Now that is where I wanted, I did a little research on you because that's what I do. And, um, we had Dr. Chris Palmer on several months ago. He talked about, in fact, this is a direct quote. He said, all brain dysfunction is metabolic dysfunction. And when I saw your story about PTSD, um, I immediately thought back to Chris Palmer. 
and said, okay, I got to drill down here. It's one thing to be on the the doctor side of the, these kinds of issues, but it's another thing altogether to be on the on the the sufferer side, I guess. Um, if you don't mind, talk about what PTSD, uh, how you experienced it, first of all, and then let's let's find out more about a ketogenic diet and PTSD and how how your experience changed. I mean, every cop, everybody probably, in a, you know, any armed forces, a lot of people in general have had trauma in their lives. It doesn't have to be a, a cop in a shooting or anything like that, you know, and I didn't know, understand how that was going to affect me over the years. You know, at that moment, it was just kind of, you know, we're getting honored as heroes. We were national officers of the month in Washington, D.C. So you have this feeling almost like of accomplishment. I survived it. Whew, you know, thank goodness. And over the years and time, you know, I'm gaining weight at this time because a lot of stuff was going on at work. I was a new dad. You know, my son was five months old when I got shot. So mm. I'm holding this little infant all this time thinking, Oof, what if he aimed higher? What, you know, you see it all the time. So the what if game and survivor's guilt starts to catch up with you a little bit. Every cop story here, killed, killed, dead, blah, it just it hits home. And I just I couldn't turn it off always just running, running, running. You know, every time I saw Lincoln Town Car, I'm right back in the car chase, you know, it was matter where I went, you know, and I had to go seek uh, Dr. Hernandez at University of South Florida. I did some art therapy that really helped me address some issues all through my whole life, but other traumas. And it's crying. It's sometimes very therapeutic, letting all this out and discussing stuff that sometimes you forgot about. But this is at the end when I'd already started keto. I started that therapy. So I'm already looking for help and realizing, all right, I gotta learn how to dance with this. You know, I, I had to go through workers comp, battle them to get coverage to cover me. You know, the foot injury I have from being shot, oh, they're fine with that, but they can't see the injury up top. So they put me through this rigorous meeting with lawyers and making me break down just to go get the help I was trying to get. And that's why so many of us don't go get it. It's, sure. You know, because you gotta, you, you gotta own it. You know, and guys don't want to admit it, you know, and then at least other issues, you know, that's why we're holding everything in. We start dying of heart attacks, you know, and that's your specialty. Keep us off your table, right? Oh, look at that lead in. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Would, uh, go ahead. Phil. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on that. So talk about, you know, uh, and I know it's hard to maybe separate these, but, you know, what do you think the impact was? of changing the diet um, versus, you know, kind of the therapy and some of the other stuff that you did to uh, to tackle the PTSD? I did keto, like I was saying, about six months, and I lost 45 pounds or so. And then I went for a typical blood test that you get at the department every year, yearly blood work, and came back. Your cholesterol is crazy because it went up even more because now I'm eating, you know, I'm eating more meat and fats and all this stuff. So scared me. So I was like, oh man, am I sure I'm doing the right thing, you know? And um, I went for uh, a CAC score, you know, and it was like 1500. And my doctor's freaking out. And I'm like, oh. So I started looking online and I found Dr. Ken Berry and Dr. David Diamond talking about cholesterol and statins. And then, you know, it kind of led me down an, another wormhole of other doctors, other people, and other resources that say, all right, you don't have to dive into this right now and jump in, on any procedures. But I couldn't believe, you know, I read Nina Teichel's book, Big Fat Surprise. And I couldn't believe the corruption that I was starting to see. And, you know, my police career, we had, you know, the opioid epidemic in South Florida. We arrested doctors, you know, for pill, pill mills and all kinds of stuff. So I saw how at least that side of pharmaceutical was hurting us down here and hurting our jobs. And then you got the fentanyl, you know, it just got worse and worse. So I've never been a real big fan of pharmaceuticals to begin with. Um, but I started seeing that. So they're trying to get me on pills. I'm just like, I got to back away. I need to just read up on this more. And then it was obviously Dr. Saladino. I read, you know, the carnivore code. And then, you know, you should start like Dr. Ken Berry's book. And it just starts to open your mind. And then I met Doug Reynolds and then ended up going to nutrition school. Who would have thought this old cop was going to go outside his comfort zone, start learning words. And my wife had to help me pronounce, man. It was crazy. <laughs> All right. I want to go back to the PTSD. Okay, sorry, I went off. You, that's okay. 
That's why I'm here. Keep everybody on track. Um, so uh, for you, it was obsessive thinking. You just couldn't turn off the thoughts. It was not letting my wife go grocery shopping unless either I was with her or I just went. Because I'm thinking, let's go to, you know, whatever supermarket. Well, there's sometimes there's active shooters, right? Right. Well, let me just go, you know, and then it's, let's not go out to dinner. Let's order in. Let's not go over to family functions as much because I'm tired. I need to decompress. You know, I, I just want to watch the game. I don't want to go to a family, you know, and, and that slowly builds over time. I never wore my uniform outside of the department or the house. I got to the point where I had an unmarked car, even though a lot of unmarked cars, you know, but at least, you know, because there's this fear when you're pulling up to a red line in a marked car, you're going to just get shot at by some nutcase that's just having a bad day, you know, so and you've seen it. So all that was happening. You know, I couldn't wait to find out and start looking up retirement options for me, whether it's going to be a disability on PTSD in my foot, because I had another surgery and some other complications with it. And I found out I could retire at 50 years old with the amount of time I had, I had like a year and a half left. And that was my goal, get out while I can, you know, and as the stress left my body and I started looking towards a future, like out of police work, what am I going to do? It started, I don't know, you know, a lot of cops tend to fall back into other police work. I did not want to get into police work, you know, and in my department, you start losing 50 pounds, cops start to notice like, man, how'd you go down from a 42 to a 36, you know? And I go, man, you got, I got so much information to tell you, we'd be getting lied to, right? You know, I just start, I go, you got to eat, you know, the, you know, real food and all. I was like cutting out processed foods from guys. And all of a sudden I had a little following guys at my department, guys and gals and records associates, people losing weight. And then that empowered me, you know, and now it gave me another direction besides the sadness I saw in police work all the time. Cause you know, you're never really going anywhere for anything good. Right. Now I'm doing something good, you know, in the beginning of my career, I'm like, yeah, we're going to save the world. And then you, you know, you figure it out. You're like, oh, you can only say what you can. It's sad, you know, and you see it every day. So this was a whole new jump start for me and it motivated me. And then they just kept calling me, you know, from Hawaii five Oh, Hey, keto five Oh, keto five Oh, you know, and then it just kind of stuck, you know, and cause keto is what got me to my healthy state right now. You know, how so, much did you, uh, you know, I would say police officers probably have a reputation of uh, being unhealthy and, you know, uh, you know, the all the cliches about, you know, eating the donuts and, uh, you know, you're riding around a lot. Um, but it's obviously a, a job that involves a lot of physicality. And, you know, uh, you would think that most police officers should and need to be, you know, in optimal physical health. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot about the job uh, that works against that. Things like shift work and and you know maybe marriages. You know, there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the stress, obviously, all works against it. But talk a little bit about you know looking back. And I know you might not have recognized it at the time, but how do you think being in poor physical shape, you know, impacted you on the job? And how do you see that now in the the, peak, the clients you work with, the other uh, law enforcement officers that you work with, uh, how their poor health might be impacting their performance? Yeah, it's always the same story. You get out of the academy, you're all fit, ready to go. And then over the 20 year, 30 year career, you can just see all the guys blew it up. You know, and it's not just the police work, it's everything, you know, diet and their own personal stresses and stuff in life, working so much. Um, I found that um, I was eating okay, but I like sandwiches. I'm like Joey from Friends, you know, give me a sub any day of the week. So I would eat lots of subs and bread, you know, and I didn't realize how detrimental that was and how my body was storing it all the time, you know, storing that energy. And when you're in a police car, you're not really, you know, TV, you're running after bad guys. You may get that once a week, maybe, you know, for the most part, it's your heart pounding every call you go to, you know, you're searching a building. You walk, pulling a car over. Yeah, that's the stuff that's, you know, wearing you down and wearing you out. The adrenaline rush of the radio, the alert tone goes off. What's it going to be? You know, is it going to be a dead cop, bank robbery, a child choking? So there's a lot of anxiety that happens within the job. So when I started getting away, I got lucky that it, there was an evidence job that opened up six months after my shooting in 2013. 
I put in for evidence and I got the evidence job. So I was able to ride the evidence job. Banker's hours kind of, you know, eight to four, Monday to Friday. I wasn't out there handling calls. It was a perfect place for me to kind of hide out. But I learned a lot in evidence. I was part of a lot of investigations and a lot of things happened. And I was like, maybe I can fall into this later on and like, you know, just do evidence. I don't have to go out there and, you know, save the world. And I'll just be in house, you know. So I got kind of into that world. And but I was still dealing with it, you know, even though I'm not out there on the road, listen to the radio all day. You know, think that's doing stuff. You know, you're wondering, hey, that guy didn't answer the dispatch. And then they had alerts. You know, it just was constant all the time. But when we uh, retired, and I say that, you know, my wife was with me this whole journey, and uh, we started traveling the country, going and see like the five Great Lakes. With, you know, we've been homeschooling our kids since 2018. We didn't, we didn't have a crystal ball. It was just that things were feeling right at that moment. And what my son needs as an active, like warrior little male, he needs to run that energy off before he can concentrate. Almost like a dog, he got to take to the park, right? So. That's that what is, we did. That is, it's got nothing to do with the subject of this of this podcast. But I just got to jump in. That is such wisdom. I raised two boys myself. I've got eight grandsons, awesome. and oh my god, the idea of putting those poor little guys in a desk and making them sit for six hours a day. Oh. Yeah, he would. He would come home and he would explode. And we're like, what's wrong with this maniac? What's going on? It's because just everything's built up and he's trying to be good all day long. I'll get in line. Right. Stop talking. There's just so, and you know, I went to my first homeschool meeting. And I was sold. I, you know, I did a lot of community outreach stuff when I was a police officer. I talked to a lot of young kids and I was impressed at talking with these kids. I mean, there was a stigmatism when I was younger in the 80s with homeschool. But it's totally flipped, man. Some these kids are already graduating by 16. They're starting college. If that's the direction you want to go, they don't divide them up in so many topics. Like if you're good in math and science, well, let's ride that train. Keep going, right? Why waste your time with something that's just going to interfere with your real learning and what you want to do? And it could be building stuff, whatever, you know. And so traveling the country, waking up with my boys, which I never towed. I wasn't an RV guy. I never did any of that. You know, my wife indoctrinated me with tiny house shows and <laughs> and I'm like, this lady's crazy. You know, I grew up in Miami, big house, big dreams, you know, South Beach. I go, I want a boat, jet ski. You know, she's trying to get me to move in a, a box. But, you know, we rented a couple of trailers and it was some good, you know, visual like the beach or something in the woods. And I was like, man, I could do this, do this for about four or five years. And then we'll find a place we go home, which we don't know where, where it is yet. But that's when I realized. Thank goodness I got out of that career because I didn't realize what that did to my psyche on a day-to-day basis. And being back in South Florida, like I am right now, brings it all back. Okay. You know, I'm, unpack, I'm a cop again back here. Unpack that psyche thing you just said, what it did to your psyche and how, um, how you have changed. Well, during that time, I started, I discovered carnivore. I went more of a meat-based diet. I lost another 25 pounds. I got down to 108, uh, 180 pounds. I saw my abs for the first time ever. Never had abs before. They say, oh, they're there. Well, I never had them or they were under my fat is what happened. So I couldn't believe it. And the way I was feeling my energy, you know, it was just, it was mind blowing. And then getting rid of the stressful job, you know, I could sleep. I didn't have somewhere to be. I could be at home with my kids. How cool is that? You know, I was an older dad in my 40s having young kids and everyone laughed at me. Hey, grandpa, you can be the old guy at the baseball field. I go, now I look younger than all those 30 or 40 year old guys, you know, and I'm 53 now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it was just tremendous. And then people see you and then you start helping more people and it just grows, you know. I was looking at one of your photos, looking at your photos. Um, I guess this was probably one where you were being awarded valor or something maybe when you were shot Mm -hmm. and i you know i had all these other photos of you recent now kind of photos and for a while i couldn't figure out who the heck you were well which one is eric oh it's astonishing what all that extra weight around your face i mean it was crazy i look back I look back now and it's like, wow. And I joke with my wife. I go, you ended up, I go, you didn't even have to divorce me. You traded me in for a new man. You know, I got more energy. And I mean, I'm chasing her around. She's like, get away from me. We already got two boys. But I'm like, you don't understand what carnivore does to me. I want to reproduce. No, I'm just kidding. But 
it's definitely helped me, my energy levels out, you know, I, with the young boys running around with them, you know, I couldn't believe, like you were saying, looking back at those pictures and I thought I looked all right. Yeah. You know, I really did. I didn't, I got down to 211 pounds back in, I think it was 2007. We were doing some calendar pose with cops and shirt, tight shirts. And so it wasn't too risque, but I was like, I still want to look good for it. Right. Running, training, like egg, you know, egg whites, you know, with turkey bacon, this all the, oh man, I, and I thought I looked pretty good. I mean, I'm like 30 pounds lighter than that. It's just, I mean, this is where my body rocks right here. It stays. I can go up a little bit if I watch, you know, if I start holidays, I have a bagel too many or something like that. I don't do donuts and uh, <laughs> never did donuts my whole career. And then, uh, you know, I felt like, wow, this is where I should have probably been for the last all 30 years, all along, right? All along. You know, and that's how we raise yeah. our boys. Our boys eat clean. We're not crazy. We bring our own like almond flour cupcakes to a birthday party. He still gets to enjoy it. And you know who cares? And it seems to look at us, the parents. The other kids don't give a crap. But this kid, right. he's not eating pizza. He's eating cauliflower's pizza or whatever, you know? The parents are like, oh, I don't know if I could ever do that. Get us, your kid. They're doing cocaine at a party and let your kid just start doing it. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, yeah. Are my kids are awesome. And I'm really it. seeing what a nice because I grew up in the 80s with Pop Tarts, corn pops, you know, corn flakes, um, all that garbage. And they were testing it on us back then. Oh, let's throw in the corn. Let's see how they react to that. You know, and it hit me by the time I was 20, I was obese, even though I played football. That's why I play linemen. Ah, you're too yeah. fat to run after passes. You're gonna go block, you know, or go tackle somebody from the line. So Man, I would have loved to play football and sports at this size, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, talk a little bit more about that. Talk about your experience, you know, trying to lose weight, trying to, you know, improve your health uh, prior to keto. And then what were your thoughts like, you know, when you discovered keto, you know, your your um, coworker, you know, clued you in and you started learning all this stuff. Uh, what what kind of thoughts did that bring up for you? I realized how influenced I was on the no fat, low fat, you know, like you've seen in the magic pill and all these fat fiction movies and stuff like that. You just I was like, oh, my God, that was us. That was us. Yep, we did that. We ate that. We ate that. We ate that. You know, and it was. It, it, it kind of made me angry because then I started researching, researching the FDA and the nutrition councils and all this stuff, you know, and you got a post today about, you know, what's his name with the was it back in 1972, you know, with the food, you know, them making these decision, decisions about what we're going to eat. And then I realized, you know, I've been chasing cartels and bad guys my whole life. I'm still doing it. Mm. You know, it's just a food cartel or it's a farm, you know, or insurance cartel. They're all involved with each other. And it's just so sad that I would have been a guy probably getting, you know, operated on in the next probably 10 years, the way I was seeing all my, you know, I had a guy named Joe Cryer, one of my cop buddies, passed away of a heart attack jogging. He was our canine guy, rock star, you know, chiseled, typical story you hear about a guy that dies when he's running. But he had, he had a um, little heart issue a few years before and they put stents in him, right? So I'm not, no, they never said the stents had anything to do with him. Like he had any, what was it? Uh, whether they trum was it stent thrombosis or something like that. I mean, they never mm -hmm. said any of that, right? And when they were talking to me about stents, that's when I just started reading up on it. Like, can we reverse this? And, you know, and luckily so far, I haven't gone back to get that CAC score, but uh, I don't like all that radiation in my body, but I'm just going based on my, you know, my A1C is 5.1, you know, and all my markers I'm looking at. I'm like, all right, you know, I've been the best I've ever been. Why am I going to mess with this, you know? And, it's just been an awesome ride, man. And, you know, being able to help people and, you know, starting this whole Keto 5.0 group and, you know, everywhere I go, I put up my, you know, my cop flag and I meet veterans and firemen. And that's what cops and campers designed to do. Get us together as therapy. And then we talk diet. You know, cops I can't tell them no beer. Yeah, I can say no beer. And then they're going to be all mad. So I got to bring them in. All right, let's have some beers. Let's have some barbecue. And then we'll start peeling the layers back to get you healthy so you can enjoy your retirement, you know? Um, Eric, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, you're traveling. I mean, you basically are, your home has wheels now. Is that right? Yeah, we have a home location, which is a family house that different siblings have lived 
in based on who has new kids and you know whatever right so we still have a home base but we sold our our house and bought a truck and trailer i got a big uh f-350 dually and we tow our house it's crazy i can't believe i do it you know we're driving down the road and i go i can't believe my whole life is behind us right now okay <laughs> you, know? you are a very fit looking dude how do you work out what do you do for workouts all right well always working out my whole life trying to get big and not using, you know, I was never a big supplement guy. I never did roids or anything like that. I never got big. I was like, I should be the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger as much weight as I've lifted in my life, right? And a lot of it was the wrong kind of lifting, maybe. I was more too concentrating on my chest and arm, you know, typical guys, never really concentrating on my core, you know? And when I saw my abs doing a little bit of core work, I was like, oh, I want to try some more, you know? And then, you know, Dr. Ben's book, you know, I was at 15 minutes to fitness. I learned resistance training, which is doing a full body workout. I kind of split them in half. I do upper body and lower body because I'd like to get a little more in. And it's just time under tension. It's resistance training. Like I'll do a set for 90 seconds and I may only do three reps. And meanwhile, the guy next to me is just on 15, you know, jerking it up, you know, pounding his joints, you know, and meanwhile, I'm all and veins are popping. I'm jacked. I'm sweating, you know, just because I've been holding the weight for so long. Pull-ups, lots of pull-ups. I could never do pull-ups in my life. I got a portable pull-up bar that has pins. You set it up. My kids are doing a bunch. They motivate me. And now I'm up to like eight. I never could do them, you know? And a lot of, um, you know, those guys you'll see on Instagram that are doing like the pull-ups and they have the legs out and they're like right. super strong. I'm like, how's his shoulder able to do that? You know? And I start looking at stuff like that and like standing handstands you know, and even standing on your head, you know, trying to hold it and all kinds of just different stuff to get the body moving, you know, tag with my kids. I'm running after them. They, they're exhausting, you know, but Hey, <laughs> they saved me, man. I'm telling them, I tell them every day, I go, you boys saved my life because the direction I was going. And so I started looking at my life a little more closely, you know, and it was pretty impactful talking to those guys. So is your primary means of staying fit what you eat? Pretty much. It's not, it's not your workouts. No, nah, it's not my workouts at all. I mean, it helps, you know, it helps to tune you up. And for me, it helps with my, you know, own mental issues with whether it's, I've only been retired three years. And when you've been working since you were 14, it's Monday comes and it's still a psychological process. Oh, it's Monday. Do I have court today? Do I have this? I got to go to work, the grind. I'm like, hold up. I'm at the beach. Let's chill. Let's pop a gummy. Let's go walk the beach, right? So... <laughs> and then it's still, I still battle it weekends. I have more fun in my head than during the week. I should have just as much fun on a Wednesday, Thursday right now, you know, but it it's tough to break that cycle, you know? So yeah. do you see any direct connection in that year and a half that you were keto and still a cop um, with your mental health? where where a change in diet was was effective in helping you have a better a better experience mentally the best thing that happened to me was i stopped sitting down to work because when i was in evidence you know we have a, a desk and you sit well i hurt my back about a year before i started keto i got one of those desks that goes up and down and i started standing it's better for my back well, then I started moving my feet around, you know, I got one of the little counter steps, you know, and all of a sudden I'm at 9,000 steps. I'm like, I'm going to do a lap around the department. You know, I want to get to a thousand, you know, and I started my energy level increased so much because of the, you know, obviously I was putting more fat and protein in my body and less processed seed oils and all this other stuff. And then my mental, like I was firing, like I could multitask, like, you know, I was like getting evidence for a, a, a homicide trial and being able to count the things. And then, you know, phone call. And it was just like, I was not making little mistakes I used to make before, you know, with, you know, maybe you're just thinking a little slow or you didn't feel like it being lazy, you know, which I didn't realize a lot of it was, you know, my diet, but man, it was like, I was shot out of a gun. Okay. Man. Whoa, 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 whoa. I want to, I want to highlight that because I think that may be really important. Phil, he said his perception of himself was lazy, which was why he couldn't what, why he wasn't sharp multitasking and that changed with keto is that a common experience and do a do have you heard of folks dealing with that kind of self-perception that changes 
Yeah, I mean, I would even say that's something, you know, I've dealt with myself and I've experienced myself. I mean, you know, since making all of these changes, you know, I look at all the things that I've done in my life, you know, starting uh, second, third business, you know, starting to practice all of this podcasting. Um, I cannot imagine myself, you know, doing this, uh, being on camera and, and, you know, doing the podcasting back when I was unhealthy, back before I changed my diet. And I think that's a part that gets missed in this conversation a lot. You know, we focus on the weight loss and we focus on, you know, the lab work and the the heart scans, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but oftentimes we lose, um, and I, I'd love to hear Eric's uh, perspective on this. We lose sight of the fact that when you get intentional about one part of your life, about what you're eating, that makes you more intentional about all the other parts of your life. And you really start to examine, you know, what you're doing and where you're going and what your goals are. And and this is a story, again, that I hear over and over from my patients, from, you know, other physicians in the space. Uh, but I'd love to hear Eric's uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, I, like you were saying, you start firing on all cylinders, right? You're thinking clearly. My organization skills, I mean, I didn't go discover anything. I'm not a multimillionaire or anything like that. But, you know, here I am running two companies, you know, the Cops and Campers and Keto 5.0, trying to help people. Something I never thought I would ever do, like trying to understand websites and Twitter and freaking Instagram. Like that's the furthest thing I ever want to do when I retired, you know, and here I am in this world of trying to spread the word, you know, meet obviously guys like you and do as much talking about it as I can. And I was the shy guy in school too, man. I didn't like to talk in front of people, you know, and here I am yapping all the time at trailer parks with people. And, you know, I just, you know, I think the command presence thing as a cop showing up sometimes and just doing it because you have to, you know, that kind of prepared me for this life to where, man, that's not so bad because I've gone through a lot worse and I'm talking about something I love and I'm passionate about, you know? So yeah, it got me motivated, dedicated, you know, it was crazy. So I just, I want to speak to our listeners real quickly. I know this is a common experience for a lot of young men. I should be getting more done. I'm lazy. I'm just not organized. I'm not where I need to be in my life. If you've had those kinds of thoughts running like a merry-go-round through your brain, I'm going to recommend that, that you you consider the possibility that what you're dealing with is a metabolic issue, that the fuel you're using to drive your, your machine is not allowing you to operate the way the machine was designed to operate. And you know that. You know it in your gut. You know you've got more in you. You know you are capable of and have the potential for far more than you're than you're doing. And the problem is the fuel you're feeding yourself. You're stuck. We got Keto 5.0 here who's walking proof of the change. Well, and Dr. Ovedia too. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, very well said, Jack. And and let, let's talk about some of the things that this has led you uh, to do, Eric. So let's start with uh, cops and campers. Uh, tell us, tell us more about that. I don't know if you guys know the backstory on it at all, but, uh, I was at a campground in 2021. Um, you know, every campground I go to, I put up my American thin blue line flag, you know, honors my fallen brothers and sisters. You know, my mom's a retired homicide sergeant from Miami Dade. So, you know, it's been, it's in my blood and I put it up and every other campground we go to, that's how I meet veterans or I meet families of law enforcement. Oh, my son's a cop in Baltimore or whatever. You know, you just, you know, you're shooting the shit. And this campground asked me to take the, take the flag down. And I was like, what? The guy rolled up in a golf cart, didn't get out, didn't introduce himself, you know, and goes, hey, uh, you need to take down your flag. I thought it was busting my chops. Like he was going to say, hey, I'm retired, blah, 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 you know? And he was like, no, you need to take it down. I'm like, oh, you're serious. So I turned on my phone. It was weird being on this side of it. Oh, I'm going to film you, you know, but here I am doing it. And I asked him again, I go, what'd you tell me to do? Here it comes. Guess what's coming in me? 
guess it's starting to boil, right? I'm getting in the red, you know? And I go, what'd you tell me? And he goes, you need to take down your thin blue line flag. And I just started, the videos out there on my YouTube channel. You can tell I start to stumble my words because my brain just starting to freaking, right? And I said some profanity as I walk up to him and then the camera shuts off, right? I didn't do anything. I walked away and then I vented it and I go touch the flag and see what happens. I sent a manager out. And then she's sitting there telling me to take the flag down because it's a modified flag. It's not a real American flag. And behind her, there's my flag blowing. It's pretty funny on the video. But I ended up putting it in my truck because we just drove six hours from Niagara Falls. And my family, we'd already settled in. I'm not going to move us right now, you know, in a temper tantrum. So I put up everything because if you have the flag on your camper, that's your property. If it's in the ground, I guess technically they own it. So they have a right. So this camping group that I was a part of, you know, I kind of went on Twitter and reached out to a couple of cop buddies that were, you know, they'd done some podcasts and law enforcement today did a story on it. Well, then cops started. I stayed for a whole week. I didn't leave. I ended up putting up tablecloths within blue lines. Every They said flag. Everything I had outside was police related, except for the flag. Right. And then other cops started walking up to me there. And they're like, yeah, they told me to take down my flag last week. I was like, you know, I'm like, this is going on more than me. Right. So. I ended up uh, starting this group where we want to go to pro cop, you know, pro first responder campgrounds. Like, why give them our money? They're not going to you know, want our flag there. And there are some issues there that happened the year of 2020 when they had the, you know, the riots and nobody liked cops. And so there was some background there. But they had Canadian flags up, I'm like yeah, Canadian flag. What are you talking about, right? So I got suspended from the camping group because the video ended up a thousand trails, and they go, "Oh, you were belligerent to our staff. You're suspended two months." So I couldn't book anywhere at this camping that we pay money to camp. And four different campsites in upstate New York heard about it, and they all called us and said, "Hey, bring your camper, your flag, and your family. You got two weeks." on us at Cape Vincent, or it was in Ithaca, New York, or it was in Chautauqua, all these places that I never knew existed. And my wife's from New York. She didn't even know they existed, you know, all up there on the Canadian border stuff, right? All right. I'm going to pause you right there for a minute, Eric, for a little lesson in persuasion. What you did, not necessarily intentionally, but you drew a line in the sand Although you didn't know where you weren't aware it was a line in the sand when you put that flag up, you took a stand for what who you are and what you believe in, and the result that that you experienced is what anybody who wants to engage in persuasion must do and will experience. If you take a stand, what's going to happen? The world, the typical world, falls into three categories. There's about 30% of the people who are going to love you regardless of what you do, 30% of the people who are going to hate you regardless of what you do, and the the, the battle of the mind is for that 40% in the middle. And what you did by putting that flag up, you announced to the 40% and the 30% are going to hate you where you stood. And inevitably what happens is you attract those who wouldn't know about you otherwise and repel those who are going to hate you anyway and don't know they're going to hate you. And the the beauty of all that, this is just basic human psychology. I'm a, I'm, I'm a marketer by, by trade. I feel like I'm on your couch right now. This is good. All well, right. that's, I, I want to encourage people because there's so much fear about taking a stand in about anything. You know, if you announce that you're, you uh, Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. I just love that that on the one hand, you 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 pulled out the 30% who hate you there in the campground. You can't put this up, blah, 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 blah. And those people are going to hate you anyway. As soon as they find out anything about you, they're going to hate you. They will not stand with you. But as a result of having taken that public stand, drawing a public line in the sand, you also attracted to yourself people who never would have been attracted otherwise. So the the idea that 100% of the people are going to love us is just folly. You got to accept the fact that at most 70% of the people are going to love us, 30% are going to hate us. And repelling the 30% at the exact same time that you're repelling those who will hate you, you're attracting those from the middle who don't know what to think about you. 
It's a beautiful, powerful way of creating uh, a community of like-minded people. So I commend you, and I commend that technique to my audience. <laughs> well, thank you. And, it, you know, it turned into such a positive thing. Uh, Hudson Valley News came out and did a story on it. A big Frog had me interview on their radio show, and that's how the word got out there for the campsites to reach out. And then this summer in June, we had the first inaugural Cops and Campers event at the first campsite at Spruce Row in Ithaca, New York. He was the first one to call me, hey, bring your stuff. And it was a cop weekend with a band. We had National Guard out there with bounce houses. Campground was sold out. Guys just hanging around campfires and never met each other. They're from different cities, different counties, different. We haven't had anybody from another country, but hopefully. And we did a 30 minute documentary on it where we interviewed some of the cops and families and see how this type of therapy, getting them out together in a retreat setting, camping. Come on, everyone loves camping, right? And then you meet a guy or you meet a couple of people and now you have a little circle, a little bond, someone you can, hey, let's go camping next month together. You know, it's another way for us like-minded officers that have been through trauma and maybe we're not surrounded by our friends anymore because we're not on shift. And it's just been fantastic. I have a question for you. Um, and Phil, actually, th th I, I should throw this one to both of you. Okay. I dated uh, an ICU nurse for a long time, and she worked the overnight shift. And I noticed that she and almost all of her friends all had a common set of characteristics. They were all um, poorly, poor in, in poor shape, wildly out of shape in many cases. They were. They all had uh, what I would characterize as a really short fuse away from a patient's bedside um, and kind of a just a whole host of various health maladies that I, I felt were all related to the job. Now, same thing with physicians, Phil, same thing with cops, Eric. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was on edge. I was irritable. I became somebody I never was before in my career, you know. And it still shows itself now, you know, in my parenting skills. Sometimes, you know, I'm working on it. I mean, I'm not beating them over the head with anything, but I can be a bit abrasive, you know. And I try to work on that and try to use, you know, educate them. And that's why my wife, she's the perfect yin and yang for me. She's able to like, all right, let's let's use our words and explain this, not yell. Yeah, I, I would say it. Certainly something I see commonly uh, among, you know, nurses, physicians, uh, you know, it, it the stress of the job, you know, when you're when your body is constantly dealing with stress, when it's constantly in that stress state and, you know, that stress can come from lots of different uh, things that can come from your job, that can come from your relationships, it can come from the food you're eating, you know, these uh, processed foods, these metabolically unhealthy foods are stressing your body to try and, you know, deal with them. And uh, when you're constantly sort of at that, you know, low to moderate level of stress, and then you add, you know, another stressful event on top of it, you know, the patient goes bad, or the kids are misbehaving, or whatever it is, uh, you know, now you're up to that red line level, instead of going from calm to you know, a little bit stressed, you've gone from a little bit or moderate stress to just, you know, off the charts. And I, I think that's a very real phenomena. Um, and like I said, you know, we might not be able to change our job situations, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, some people need to do these jobs. Uh, but if we improve the other areas, like the diet, you know, that are contributing to that chronic stress, you know, again, then we can bring the baseline level down. And now the stresses that come with the job, you know, don't put us to the red line level, they put us to, uh, you know, kind of moderate level, and, and we can deal with that uh, a lot better. So something, again, that, you know, I see that I've experienced uh, in myself, you know, I, I deal a lot better today with, you know, those really stressful situations uh, as a heart surgeon uh, than I did, you know, when I was an unhealthy heart surgeon. Talk more about that, Phil. 
Come yeah, on, I mean, unpack you know, that a little bit for us. What's that yeah. look like? You know, it looks like, um, you know, if I'm up all night operating, um, you know, which occasionally happens um, in the past, uh, I, you know, you didn't want to be around me the next day, you know, my wife or my kids, you know, or, or whoever it was, or just, you know, being at work the next day and dealing with, you know, what would normally be minor issues that, you know, seems like, uh, you know, I did not react well to. And today, you know, I can deal with it a lot better. I can deal with, uh, you know, uh, being up all night and, and being through those stressful situations. And it's just, it's again, it's something that we don't, we can't quantify it as well yeah. as the weight loss or or a lab marker. Uh, but it's it's very real. And I think many, you know, many of the patients I work with, many of the people I interact with in the metabolic health space, they all have a similar story around whatever it is in their life, however that translates to their life, you know, what Eric's talking about. uh, It's a very common side effect, let's say, of getting metabolically healthy. Well, let's say it's a, let's say it's one of the key benefits. Yeah, Um, certainly. You know, if if you're listening to this and your focus is on, eh, I'm fat, I need to lose weight. And you're struggling, maybe add this this additional benefit. This is it's it's not merely a physical improvement. It's a, a mental clarity and emotional stability that um you may never remember having experienced by getting by getting your body healthy, your mind and your emotions tend to follow along. Would would that be accurate for, to say for you, Eric? Yeah, I'll start with my gut health. You know, once that's why I tell people a carnivore diet was a great way for me to have like an elimination diet because I always threw vegetables in out of guilt, you know, my whole life. Yeah. Just, oh, I got to have broccoli, got, you know, and then cauliflower was a good friend in the keto days, you know, it helped me with a lot of dishes and stuff like that. But then, man, once I pretty much went eggs and bacon and maybe a little, you know, fat bomb now and then or something, and, you know, I, if I need to de-stress now and then, I'll mix a little vodka with sparkling water. I won't use soda. You know, I just, you know, and takes the edge off. But, man, it was night and day the way my focus was. Um, and then, you know, when I started losing weight, I started feeling more confident. That was another thing. You start feeling good. Oh, I look a little better. These pants aren't as tight. So, you know, there's a whole thing going on. Oh, I'm at another notch. Holy cow. This is awesome. You know, and I was going the opposite direction all the years. Like, oh, getting a little tight, you know. So um, talk uh, some about uh, Keto Five O now. We talked about pop yeah. campers. What what's Keto Five O? What do you do there? Well, when I uh, I tried, I think I was talking with Doug Reynolds of Low Carb USA one day online and trying to sign up with his network. And um, I told my story. I've you know lost all this weight and I was helping cops. But I was just a coach then. And he goes, "Oh man, you should come on the podcast, episode 50. So for Keto Five O, that's kind of cool. I was like, "Oh, episode 50. And after we got done, he goes, hey, you ever thought about, you know, going to see Jeff Cotterman, you know, and maybe getting a nutrition's license or some something, start really diving into this. So I was like, ooh, more school, you know, typical guy. Oh, I don't want to learn anything new, you know, but talking to my wife and, you know, I was like, hey, you know what? You've already been helping people. Why not dive more into this? You know, and over that whole COVID summer, you know, in 2020, I was studying as we were traveling. And doing everything online, finding proctors at the library to help or proctors to help me do testing. And then I'm on video doing push up. Like, this is how it trains them, like, you know, because I got the personal training license as well. And, you know, I'd already uh, owned the, the company, Keto 5.0. I just thought it was going to be something. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I felt like it was pretty good that I could help cops with it across the country. I would love to go to different departments and just talk to these guys and have some type of presentation and you know, maybe I can save them all, but a couple of guys might say, you know what, I, I need to follow what this guy's doing, you know, because look at him. He's like me. I was in the same boat as him, you know, and I can relate to these guys. So that was the original goal of the Keto 5.0, not just cop, first responders, you know, for fire, I got firemen buddies that I help out and talk to. And, you know, it's, and it's grown, you know, I mean, I'm not, trust me, I'm still traveling around a trailer. It's not like we're flying and doing anything fancy, but you know what, I have a lot more passion and happiness with this career than I did previously. I mean, the cop job was honorable. It was 
man, it was, I met some friends for life and we went through some turmoil and there was a lot of, you know, things that happened and I don't want to go back to that life. And this has set me free, man. And, you know, keto, you hear different words about, you know, I just, I don't preach keto. It's pretty much eat real food, whether you want to go more vegetables than this is make sure you're not getting the ones that have been sprayed with, you know, Monsanto's crap and all this other stuff, you know, and if you do want to try meat, you know, some like my wife doesn't like eating lamb because they're cute. Like, man, lamb's delicious, right? So it's, you know, you got to kind of see what works. She doesn't eat pork. I'm like, well, I do. You know, I'm a cop. You know, so what do you think I'm going to do? And, you know, I worked on the farm for last summer for three months. We took the family there and they paid us. Sorry, it's cops and campers stuff, but it's related yeah, to keto. That's good. And that we work great. for our, we work for our food steaks ribeyes roasts they got eggs and stuff for us and here i am driving a tractor i never drove a tractor i'm a kid from miami suburb here right here i am in a tractor oh my god i'm driving a tractor you know and then we're slaughtering animals you know he's teaching us how to do it and what a brutal thing that is but a 10 year old son got he got introduced to that life right away but it made me appreciate Maybe I want to have my own food one day, have our own farm, or maybe have a retreat program where people come not only get themselves healthy, healthy nutrition wise, but also mental, you know, maybe a campground will be called cops and campers. And that'll be the campground where I have events. I don't know. Now I'm getting a lot of rumor. People want to go across the country with it. The keto business, I just pick up as I go, you know, I'm in a gym. Somebody goes, Hey man, you know, I looked you up, you know, so what is about this keto thing? And I just talk to them, you know, Hey, here's my scan code. I, I got a bunch of friends that are a lot smarter in this topic, you know, and there's other doctors you can go to. If your doctor's not on board, there's a network out there you can find. And I'm trying to get my mom away from her doctors. For a typical person that finds himself getting healthy right now, you'd want to save the people around you. And then there's sometimes the toughest people to try to save, right? They've seen it. They've seen me lose almost 80 pounds. I'm right here in yeah. front of your eyes. And yeah. it's still, it, it's hard, you know, and then and it's tough. Once you get somebody to finally crack in there, like my mom is I'm like, all right, mom, all right. I got somebody, you know, in Nashville or I got somebody, you know, in Greenville or, you know, let's get this done. Just start talking to somebody else besides me. Cause it's probably tired of, you know, me yapping to her about it. Um, talk about your keto. I mean, your uh, carnivore diet. What's that? What's, what does that include and exclude? I think I know what, what it is for Phil, but I want to hear what it is for you because I've been I've been fasting lately. I don't like right now I haven't eaten, you know, and I may not eat till one or two o'clock, but I usually well, I break my fast around seven o'clock with a bone broth and coffee and heavy cream. So tanning got the liquid I'm breaking the fast. But for me, I jump start my energy level. I'm able to go to the gym, do some stretching outside. Because remember, when I go outside, I'm usually at a park, you know, or yeah. I'm usually somewhere and it's beautiful. Trees, you know. Right now I'm at my brother-in-law's driveway, so it's not the same vibe, you know, but we had to stay out of our campground for a week to go back in. So, yeah. And then I, you know, I usually, I grill a lot. You know, we will have ribeyes have gone up. So have New York strip. So I make my buddies buy that for me when we go to lunch, you know, and then I just do a lot of the hamburger, you know, a lot of ground, a lot of eggs, bacon. We do roast, you know, cause when I was on the farm, we had an animal that came with us on our trip. So we have a freezer in our trailer with, you know, half an animal. And we just, you know, he's, his name was incredible, you know, and hit <laughs> incredible bull, get it bull. And huh. he's delicious, you know, but he's starting to run low. So we're like, Oh, what are we going to do? You know? And, but it's, that's pretty much it, man. You know, and um, it's crazy cheese of any kind. Oh yeah. I do. Yeah. I do cheeses. You know, my wife's more on uh their lactose. So they do a lot of goat cheese and raw goat milk, uh -huh. you know? And I'll still get a block of, you know, cheddar, not the cheap stuff, but, you know, something I know is going to, it's a perfect fix. You know, sometimes I'm just needing something. I just break off a hunk of cheese and throw it out and keep doing you know, what I'm doing or something, you know. Um, cheeses, I'm trying to think what else I usually do. You know, I did some more organic or organ supplements, you know, from a couple of companies and one of the owners got in trouble recently for coming on some stuff. But anyways, I still believe in a lot of that stuff. It seemed to work good for me and my kids. I'll do that. And then, um, you know, lots of salt and mineral, like we have minerals because we, uh, a lot of water, water we drink is very totally nothing in it. Cause we have a super duper water filtration system. So we got to add minerals to our water and stuff like that, you know, and collagen, you know, we'll add that. 
you know, and it's not that hard. It's just expensive. You know, I can eat two ribeyes and now I'm out 40 bucks, you know, and then now my 10 year old can eat a ribeye. So, oh, here we go. <laughs> right. So what are you kids? How are you kids? Yeah. What are you saying, Phil? I'm sorry. It was, yeah, Jack was asking about the kids and then I was going to just uh, say, you know, what would you say to the people who, you know, say it's too hard to do that? I can't do that. You know, uh, I can't just eat meat. Uh, love to hear both of those answers. Well, you, I've always been a heavy meat eater my whole life. So I think I was a little different than a lot of other people that, especially I'm finding guys are like 10 years younger than me, didn't nearly eat the amount of red meat, especially as I did growing up. You know, even if I had Salisbury steak and a TV dinner, you know, now they're not even getting a steak. They're getting some processed, low grain, you know, whatever the crap it is. So that's, you know, what just got me going. But what were you saying, Jack? What was your question? I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. Well, I want to know um, how your kids eat and how old they are and how old they and how they eat. They're 10 and 7. Um, they were both breastfed till almost three years old. My wife went natural. So there was no chemicals going through my kids' bodies or anything. And that's kind of when it started this whole new journey because we go to some birthing classes and here I am getting off a shift with my vest on and I'm sitting on a pillow and we're all holding hands. I'm like, what is this? You know, <laughs> this is a seance. You know, it was it was called the Bradley method, you know, and it talked about empowering your woman and all this stuff, right? So I, I did it and I learned a lot though, you know, and how my wife wanted to have a baby of a birthing plan and, you know, just you know, open my eyes and with them being breastfed. And then we would introduce something and we could see the effects of it, whether it was wheat or whether it was maybe a, the lactose. She ended up eating a lot of, um, a lot of dairy. She makes her own yogurt. So I think she overdid it on yogurt, you know, and certain things, but they eat, they eat more carbs than I do. You know, they don't have, we don't do as much grains, like a lot of, um, walnuts, olives in the morning, obviously eggs. One of my sons has a sensitivity to eggs, so he can only have it like every couple of days. And it depends on the egg and where it came from. We're learning like if uh, it's corn fed chicken, then he has a reaction. But if it's a real chicken that's just living naturally and not, you know, eating that garbage, he doesn't have a reaction. So we're learning that, wow, it really is important about eating like a corn fed cow versus a grass fed. You know, there is a difference in that type of meat. You know, why wouldn't it go down to eggs? Why wouldn't it go down to so many other factors, you know? So they eat, uh, we'll do like millet bread. My wife makes sourdough bread, you know, four ingredients. You know, it's not that show, it can't stay out, you know, typical stuff. You know, she makes bone broth. Every morning they have bone broth tea, you know, and that gets them going, you know. And now, if anything, they're understanding all this. Everything I talk about with you guys and my friends and family, they're hearing it. My kid's already a 10-year-old. He's reading the back of the boxes now. He's like, look, Dad, there's corn syrup in there. I'm like, yeah. You know, I want him to know. You know, yes. you can't have yeah. that stuff, you know? No, exactly. I mean, you know, just as we were sort of programmed in the opposite direction, you know, as children that, you know, you know that the uh, Cheerios are the healthy thing and heart healthy and low fat, you know, when we heard all that messaging, now, you know, we're about the same age. So, you know, that's what we heard our whole lives growing up. Uh, you know, the way to the way to undo this is really to start with the kids. And, uh, you know, I think a large part of what I do, you know, is not really, you know, it's great that I treat the patients that I treat and I work with the patients that I work with. Uh, but what I really hope is happening and in many cases I know is happening is that their kids are now getting influenced and they're seeing the changes and they are starting to connect, um, you know, what we eat with how we feel and how we perform. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can reverse this very scary trend that we're on uh, in terms of our children's metabolic health, because it seems like it's striking earlier and earlier in life. You know, I've mm -hmm. talked about how, you know, the average age of the patients that I operate on in the 20 years that I've been a heart surgeon, very short period of time on the grand scale has, you know, essentially gone down 20 years, uh, you know, wow. going from, you know, 60 and 70 year olds to 40 and 50 year olds. Uh, so um, we got to do something to reverse it. And we got to start with our kids.
Yeah, it's it's been great. The kids are, you know, I, I saw it when, um, you know, just his athletic ability, both of them especially. My younger one's more the chess player. My oldest one's a checkers player. Let's go knock some stuff down. Let's go freaking, let's take that hill. That's my oldest, right? Youngest one's like, hey, let's call in more reinforcements. I don't know if I want to dive into this right now, you know, but they're just smart as a whip, man. And they, you know, we treat them like adults. We talked, you know, it's none of this. And they're around adults. And usually in the communities, the homeschool groups, they're leaders. Like my son likes to catch snakes and he'll catch lizards and teach the kids. Oh yeah, this is how the snake eats a lizard, you know, but you'll see a table of 10 kids all just watch. And I go, that's learning right there, you know? Especially from oh, another yeah. kid that's got pot, you know, and he'll talk to him. He, he's not preaching out there to these kids, but he'll see kids eating Doritos and then they'll see Killian eating pork rinds. Why are you eating pork rinds? Well, because it's, it's better than that. And then kids like the pork rind. They're like, hey, mom, can I have some pork rinds like Killian? You know, and that's what I started seeing. He's influencing people even at 10 years old, you know. That's fantastic. I, I am remain tremendously hopeful about the future tremendously optimistic um i know that the forces of darkness are at work and are moving and are arrayed against those forces of light but uh light always wins and this is this is the truth this is how our bodies were designed to work it's better for us it's better for our brains it's better for our emotions it's better for our children it's just better and we're going to win all right. Well, Eric, um, folks are undoubtedly going to want to to get in contact with you as a result of these conversations. What's the best way to do that? Just go to my website, keto50.com, you know, and I've I got a group page on Facebook. I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and Instagram. I'm more active in and. You know, you guys can look up the story how I found I found a cop brother in Florida through 23andMe DNA. Two hours away from me, older brother. Oh, my goodness. We were on uh, Fox and they interviewed us on Fox and Friends. And you know what he'd been doing for 10 years? Camping, RVing. I never knew anything about it. Guardian Angel. This guy shows up out of nowhere. And he's like, yeah, I've been camping for 10 years. I'm like, I don't know nothing about it. He's like, well, I'll teach you. And this is a, what, a half brother? Yeah, my dad had relations with a woman and night. Now, that's a fun conversation. Call my dad. Hey, where were you in the fall of 1967? Because uh, <laughs> Dave was Dave was adopted. And my dad's like, what? Fall of 67? I go, come on. He's like, well, there was this one girl. I go, well, guess what? You got a, you got a brand new bouncing baby, 51-year-old son right now. So, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but that was a great story to find him because he was only and child. He was, a, he was a cop? Two hours and away. In he's Orlando. basically doing the same thing you're doing. He retired a year oh, after I did. That's just weird. Crazy, crazy. And he didn't know. He, he's just like, I'll do this 23andMe because his adoptive parents died. And he didn't know anything about his history. He had no siblings. He's like, let me see what happened. Am I, am I going to go bald? Or am I, you know, he's like, I didn't expect to find a half brother. I tell you that, you know. And, oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so keto that's another side story. Thank you. For, for Eric Reynolds. That's the best way to get a hold of him. Um, I'm going to go read about that story, and I'm sure plenty of other folks will as well. All right, Phil, any last words before we uh, call this one? No, just thanks for a great uh, conversation. Thanks for everything you're doing, Eric. Uh, thanks for uh, spreading, spreading the word and helping, you know, helping those that help the rest of us you know i think the law enforcement community really needs to get this message and uh, applaud everything you're doing yeah i think they'll make better decisions they get their mind clear maybe they'll make better decisions on the job too and uh you going to boca uh i am uh, actually not going to make it to boca this oh. year because it uh, conflicts with uh another uh project i'm working on i'll okay. be down in uh, actually costa rica filming a documentary series Cool. At, uh, around the same time, but uh, look forward to seeing you again uh, elsewhere in the near future. Well, I'll send you a Keto 5.0 coin. You get this when you lose 20 pounds in my group. It's a challenge coin that I give out to my uh, clients and stuff. So I got to send you guys some. All right. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. And if, you, good. and if you bring the camper over to the uh, other side of Florida there, uh, we'll have to uh, meet up there. All right, man. Near Tampa, right? 
Yep, exactly. Okay. Hey, we don't want to be doxing anybody here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> For uh, Eric Reynolds, Keto50.com and Dr. Philip Ovedia, this is the, I, uh, not iFix Arts. This is the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. You can follow Dr. O on Twitter at iFixHearts. And I recommend that you uh, subscribe to the podcast, click on that uh, button so you're notified of any any new episodes. We generally drop one every Tuesday. And uh, best of all, go to his website, iFixHearts.com. Take that metabolic health quiz. Uh, get yourself a baseline about where you are and where you need to be. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next time. Thank you. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.